These are exciting times for the real estate industry. New startups, new tools, and new business models are changing the way real estate professionals engage with consumers. But Tom Flanagan thinks we need to do things differently. We need even more innovation in the real estate space, and he believes we're right on the edge of a major shift in how agents and brokers do business. As Vice President of Technology at Alon Pinnell Realtors in Silicon Valley, Tom certainly has his finger on the pulse of technology. He's been named one of the 100 most influential people in real estate by Inman News, and he's been a featured speaker at events like Real Estate Connect and Google's IT Summit. In this interview, Tom breaks down what today's agents need to do to get off to a strong start and explains why the Internet of Things is the next big thing in our industry. I'm Marguerite Jaguer. And I'm Ann Jones. And we're at Windermere Professional Partners in Tacoma, Washington. Hi, this is Dan Stewart from Happy Grasshopper. Hi, this is Tom Flanagan, and you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Super excited to have you on. Um, we have known each other for quite a long time uh, in the real estate and out of the real estate space. Um, I'd love to start off if you could tell us about the work you're doing at Alon Pinnell Realtors. Um, you have to work on a lot of different levels. You know, one thinking about growing the brand, and then also enabling agents and brokers and building a platform. You know, tell us tell us what you do there and how you think about it. Yeah, and I'm happy to to discuss that, Seth. And and so at Alain Pinel, we decided to take a step back and give some serious thought to what a broker's value proposition is in 2015. And so Alain Pinel Realtors has been a brokerage in Silicon Valley for the last 25 years. And so a lot has changed over the over that time. And so um, over the 25 years, gosh, and you probably remember this, real estate agents would print out, you know, 25 properties, put them in a binder and take their client to each and every home and drive them around town and show them the home. And then at some point, real estate listings came online. And so that really changed the mentality. Consumers would um, do go online, look at properties, do their research, do their due diligence, and they would, you know, narrow down to a you know, a few properties, and then they would reach out and contact a real estate uh, agent. And so, you know, and, and they also may have done that search and, and, and that researching on a broker's website. And so now in 2015, where IDX, which stands for Internet Data Exchange, is sort of been marginalized and everybody can put real estate listings on a website now and build content around that. And obviously now in 2015, there are exciting times in the real estate state portals. So media companies like Zillow and Trulia and Realtor.com, you know, demand so much eyeballs and so much of the real estate traffic. And so what we tried to do at, at Alon Pinnell is really take a step backwards, sort of, you know, thoughtfully, um, you know, evaluate the landscape and see what our value proposition um, is in 2015. And so it was actually an interesting thought exercise to go through. And so what it comes 
down to and what we've done for the past 25 years is deliver exceptional uh, customer experiences. And so we want to create tools and modules to complement that. And so some of the things we're working on now, which I'm pretty excited about, is in that collaboration space, you know, being able to be accountable to our sellers and our clients and provide them with collaboration tools to make their experience better and our sales associates more productive. So before we unpack, you know, how you came to, you know, the in-game or, or figuring out your strategy, I'd love to understand, one, what was the process like? Like, how did you, how did you get the stakeholders all in the same place? And then how did, as an organization, you know, go through the steps to come to, you know, clarity about what you should focus on? Yeah, that's a great question. And so um, the Bay Area is sort of unique. And so there's a lot of unique um, elements in the Bay Area in the real estate industry. And so I mentioned Zillow and I mentioned Trulia, but Redfin is also a, um, you know, a serious um, brand here in the Bay Area yeah. and, and on the West Coast. And they're sort of really intriguing because they have this perception of being a media company, but obviously they're fully, you know, functional real estate brokerage. And so also we're also dealing with a demographic that, um, you know, there's a lot of engineers in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of savvy people. And so the demographic that we represent is very different and sort of unique. And so one of the things that we did in reimagining what our value proposition, and to answer your question directly, one of the first things that we did was we decided to do an independent usability study. And we used a a fabulous group out of uh, the Willow Glen area of San San Jose who's worked with major brands like Microsoft and and, and Apple and Google. And and it's much more than just surveys or even eye tracking software. They actually have this state-of-the-art facility where um, they'll actually design the room where consumers are going to be um, sort of viewed and observed to meet the um, criteria of the study. So what that means is they actually built a living room and invited consumers to come in and actually engage with real estate content. I love it. I love it. I love it. It was really fascinating, and we watched them view real estate content on 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 a tablet, on a desktop, on a mobile device, and so um, that was fascinating. I can't tell you um, how unbelievably fascinating that was. And so my colleague and I were in the control room um, behind the glass, if you will. Um, and they certainly, and the consumers certainly understand as full transparency, they know we're there, but we can actually in the control, the control center, we can actually have a remote control that allows us to zoom into every centimeter of the room and the whole thing is recorded. And so we had this really fantastic quantitative data. And then it was also complemented with um, qualitative uh, measurements with surveys and interviews. And then we also, after studying consumers for quite a bit, we then actually decided, you know, that our other client 
demographic that we represent is our real estate agents. And we did the same exercises with them. So we got a tremendous amount of data um, in terms of the user experience, in terms of usability, both on the consumer side and the real estate sales associate side. And so uh, when the study was done, um, the results were pretty, uh, pretty staggering. And it was really sort of a breath of fresh air to get, you know, um, feedback directly from the consumer to get their perceptions, whether they're right or wrong, uh, to get what they really need, what they're looking for in terms of media on a real estate website, in terms of content, in terms of tools. And so that was the diving board. That was the jumping off point for us to bring back that data, go to ownership and pitch them uh, the information. Um, and I think conducting it in an unbiased, independent way and using a great company that has years of experience doing it was really eye-opening. And the ownership and the executive team at Alain Pinel um, is very progressive. They're very um, open-minded. Um, in fact, just as a little side note, um, Alain Pinel was one of Steve Jobs' first accounts after he left Apple and started Next. And so originally, Alain Pinel had a Next Step workstation at every desk in, in the company. And so they've always been progressive and cutting edge and over the years and have a history of that. And so once we sort of um, started the conversation with the findings from the usability study, the rest sort of just organically grew from there. I love that. I mean, I've always remembered, you know, the, the studies that GE would do where they would have someone sit in the living room or in the house and live with someone for a period of time to understand, hey, how did they how do they, when do they actually wash their clothes and what do they do? When do they fold it? When do they dry it? And, and it's so needed in the real estate space because one we're it seems like a lot of us in the industry are chasing our tails because, you know, need to keep the lights on. And so you need to continue doing business as usual to a certain extent, mm -hmm. but the mm -hmm. landscape is just changing so rapidly that, that, time to invest in looking at, hey, really, where are we? And what is today's customer's priorities? Um, I'm curious about, you know, how you see the investment in that, because I don't hear of a lot of brokerages or agents or individual brokers investing that kind of resources upfront without an immediate ROI. What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely, and and that and you sort of touched upon it, upon it uh, just a moment ago when you said you have to pay the bills, and you got to keep the lights on. Um, you know, um, we're very lucky. We're in um, you know one of the you know greatest real estate marketplaces in the United States. Um, you know, on the East Coast you have Manhattan, and here in, in Northern California you have San Francisco. And so you know we've been very lucky, and we understand that you know um, you know. We're, we understand that and we're very proud to be in the Bay Area. And so we may have, you know, some resources that smaller brokerages um, don't have. You know, we're the fifth, you know, fifth largest uh, real estate organization in the United States. And, you know, last year we're very proud of the fact that we did almost $11 billion in sales. And so, um, you know, we were in the position to sort of rationalize and that expense uh, of the the usability study. And so given 
the opportunity of allocating those resources financially to that space certainly outweighed, um, you know, spending that money in other places, whether it be on a new shiny object, whether it would be an additional print media, whether it be an additional, um, you know, avenues and advertising, for example. And so we just think that that was so critical and so important to this new um, project that we we started that um, we were we found it to be critical you know without doing it we would have just um, you know we would have been you know just going down the same old, same old road road so what about the organizations or even the individual agents or teams that don't have the resources you have I mean we've seen lots of them, right? You know, lots of them that are, um, you know, they're great businesses, excellent businessmen and women. Um, they make a good living and they work in nice communities and they certainly invest something. How should they be thinking about this? Yeah. And I, you know, I have, I have the answer to that. And Tell me, <laughs> you know, and it sounds simple, Seth, but I, I truly believe that you need to be solving a problem. You know, it doesn't ma matter if you're at a small brokerage, you're, you know, a real estate, you know, on a small real estate team, you're just an independent contractor working by yourself for a franchise, or you're a large brokerage like Alain Pinel. Um, you really need to solve a problem. And so before we before we try anything, it could be launching a property website. It could be, you know, shooting a property video. It could be, you know, posting something on Facebook. We always ask, are we bringing value and what problem are we trying to solve? And so the reason why I like that philosophy is because that philosophy can be implemented on any budget, whether you're working for a big, you know, Fortune 500 company, you know, a large brokerage or a small real estate team. And so to give you, you know, a real life example, there's plenty of things that you can do in terms of usability and uh, the user experience and recording that data on a small budget. You know, you can use free tools that are available on the web. You can do things like A-B testing. You can create surveys and send them out to your sphere of influence. You can do that for almost free, utilizing SurveyMonkey and those other tools. You know, um, you can certainly, you know, um, work with multiple departments in, in, in a small organization or just record all of this information um, on your own, you know, using, you know, your communication tools like Google Apps or something like that. So, you know, I always like to ask myself, what problem am I trying to solve and what value am I, am I bringing? And if you do that, you can accomplish that on any budget. There, there seems to be in your organization a top-down and bottom-up buy-in to the idea of innovation um, throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. Is that, is, is leadership required? Like, do you need to have the CEO and everybody on board for this to happen? You know, um, I obviously can't speak for every organization. Every organization has their own culture, has their own motives, has their own initiatives, you know, so I can only really speak you know, to myself and my experience, my current experiences and my past experiences, it certainly always helps when you have a CEO, a president, a leader who is open for change, who wants to challenge the status quo. I've been very lucky in my real estate career to have two owners that have that mentality. And so Paul Hume at Alain Pinel has that mentality and I'll our operations officer, Rainey Hake, certainly has that mentality. And 
And then a woman that you and I both know and love, Seth, Sally Lapides, the president and owner of residential properties in Providence, Rhode Island, um, most definitely was always challenging the status quo. So in terms of escalation and getting things approved, it can certainly it's certainly not going to hurt to have leadership. Um, but on the flip side, in the other scenario, uh, if you're an individual in an organization or a brokerage, you know, you can certainly make change within. And so I think what happens is if you say if you have a team member or yourself who's always questioning the status quo and you actually step up to the plate and you deliver and you deliver successes um, on a regular basis, I think organically sort of that respect is earned and that can really facilitate change. And, you know, you got to, you know, I think the biggest thing is, and it sounds cliche, but you can't be afraid to fail. You have to try some things. And, you know, I'd rather, you know, try something and fail than regret, you know, even attempting it. And so, you know, you, you know, you have to, you have to try some things. Uh, that's such an engineering mindset. I love that. Um, (laughs) um, Tell me a little bit about, like, if you had a scorecard for where real estate is as an industry in this, you know, digital arms race, how are we doing? Yeah, I mean, it's an it, it's an interesting question. I think these are sort of exciting times, uh, particularly, you know, in real estate technology. Technology. Um, you know, you're seeing big acquisitions. Obviously, Zillow, you know, is doing lots of um, newsworthy things, acquiring Trulia, most recently acquiring Dotloop. And so there's lots of funding, you know, here in Silicon Valley, there's lots of real estate related startups that are being funded and funded well. And so all of that is pretty exciting. But when you look at innovation and you look at disruption, you know, and so when you look at some of the things, for example, that, you know, the that Uber's done and a handful of years ago when Apple, re, you know, launched the iPhone and you look in terms of that sort of innovation and that sort of disruptive, I'm not seeing that level of, um, you know, innovation in sort of the state of the union in real estate. And, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, at this point in 2000, 15, everybody, you know, I, most pe- you know, most real estate professionals have a website. They sort of all look the same. You know, they have, you know, the carousel of big, beautiful images with a few, you know, um, items below the fold and they all have properties and on the properties there's media like photographs and video and floor plans. And so, um, in, in terms of that, the space hasn't really, um, um, to date changed that dramatically. And I know there's a few sort of ideas and startups on the fringes that could certainly, um, you know, you know, be a catalyst, a catalyst for disruption and be a catalyst for change and innovation. And I think, you know, we're on that tipping point. Like I think something really big is going to happen. And so what I'm really excited about, like I think the next big wave in real estate technology and innovation is going to be um, in energy 
and the Internet of Things. And so, um, you know, you're really starting to see it with consumer products like Nest. And so um, there's a lot of connected devices already finding themselves in the household. But just imagine, um, you know, being able to visit a property details page. And, you know, of course, we up to date, we already have things like community information and school information and taxes and crime rates and things of that nature. But imagine having the ability to integrate energy information. Like if you have solar panels, for example, you know, when you're looking at these properties, are those solar panels purchased or they rented on the house? Are they leased? Uh, how much energy are you actually saving? What are the best times of day to be charging your Tesla or your Prius or your Chevy Volt? You know, here in the Bay Area, we've been experiencing a drought and energy and efficiency efficiencies and infrastructure and the grid is always a topical conversation. And so, um, you know, I know my friends and colleagues at the Center for Realtor uh, Technology in Chicago, CRT, is, um, you know, been thinking a lot about this as well. And so I'm super intrigued with the possibility of the Internet of Things and, and energy and bringing that next wave of real estate technology. Um, and it's got endless possibilities um, for sure. I, I, I can certainly feel that. I mean, I, if I think about all the tools that we're now using in our house, I think I've got, you know, six nest controllers for all the different heat and cooling zones. <laughs> and then I've got, I don't know if you know this company called Canary. Uh, I've heard. Yeah. Is. Uh, it's like a motion. It's like drop cam, Dropcam, uh, yep. which is just, and it's phenomenal. I mean, we use it when we travel so we can see what's going on with the house or with our dog or, you know, letting people in. We use the doorknobs where you can uh, program them so people can get in and out because I used to hide a key. And then, of course, I think my wife loses the key and the <laughs> hidden key. So that didn't really that didn't really help. Um, but we're definitely collecting so much information now that can it, be. It, it's true. And you had some great points. Consumers are bringing these connected devices and senses into their home. And if you think about it, the home is an organic place. You yeah. know, it's, it's ever growing. And so, you know, I was speaking at a conference with um renowned physicist, uh, Dr. Michio Kaku. And he was telling me that, you know, in the very near future, your entire home is going to be connected with sensors. And, you know, some of it sounds like science fiction, but it really isn't. And he was giving me this great example, you know, um, that you will have a smart toilet. And for example, you know, that toilet will record all the data in your family. And it could potentially be, um, you know, an early warning for cancer. Maybe that toilet gets a reading that could be a red flag, say potentially cancerous. And that toilet could send that data to your primary care physician and be an early detector on things like that. And that's just one example, but he had these incredible thoughts on the connected home sensors, beacons. And, you know, I think now that you're seeing them, as you just noted, you have a handful of these devices in your home. Just imagine that finding its way onto a real estate website, seeing it on a listing details page, being able to search a geographical location based on energy, based on how much you have to invest. You know, for example, we, again, I mentioned in the Bay Area, we've been experiencing a drought where there is, you know, water usage restrictions. And just imagine, you know, being able to look, you know, at a home that has, you know, a pre-installed, you know, landscaping system 
and watering system and, um, you know, being able to calculate, you know, the fees for that for that product. And so there's just so many opportunities. And I think, you know, just looking at some of the initiatives at the Department of Energy and where we're going as a society, um, you know, I think there's a wonderful opportunity for sort of that energy mashup with Internet of Things in the real estate industry. And that's what I'm pretty excited about these days. That's very excited. I always love opening my new toys, I have to tell you. Um, I'd love to change altitude a little bit and sure. and talk a little bit about um, brand new folks into the business. So new agents uh, with no web presence. And I think, you know, one of the things I might say in, in contradiction to when you said, hey, everyone's got a, a website and it's got beautiful images. I think you're being generous there. I think there's a, you know, 10 to 15% that have a web experience that you would love to be on, you know, that just has the basics. It's responsive. It's got beautiful images. It's got all the information and it actually works. Um, okay. Love being in the keyword. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, the, but the thing that I'm, I'm curious about from your perspective is for the brand new agent, what are the things that they should focus on? Like how should they start? I just got my yeah. license. I chose, I'm lucky enough to choose a good broker because at least I think it is. Um, where do I go from there? Yeah, it, it, that's a fantastic question. And, and, you know, just hearing that question, the first thing that I think about is how I would answer that question a year ago. And so a year ago, I would certainly say, you know, build, you know, build a website with property search and complement it with, you know, unique content. And you mentioned responsive design, you know, obviously, you know, maybe not a real estate professional or someone in sales who's a non-technical person may not know what that is, um, completely understandable. But, you know, I guess, you know, I would choose a great partner to build that website with, you know, somebody in the industry that has a great reputation and a lot of experience and sort of take that leap of faith that they're going to take care of those technical things for you. And so obviously having your own website for a real estate agent or brokerage or real estate team is critical. And um, again, you know, maybe I was being a little generous if, you know, so with that said, you know, I certainly would say, you know, building your own website, property search, unique content. And then number two, for better or worse, you really need to have a presence on the portals. I mean, you know, you look at the top three websites in, in the real estate industry with Zillow, Truly, and Realtor.com. You know, Truly still has Truly Voices, which gets a lot of traffic. It's a great way to build your reputation. You know, obviously, Zillow with reviews and many of their modules. You know, so I would say, one, having a beautiful website with content and listings. Number two, being on the portals. And then number three, certainly complementing those first two points, um, you know, with social. And, you know, with social, you know, I would specifically say, you know, Facebook, you know, there's such a, and I'm not referring to a Facebook brand page, and I'm not talking about just spamming Facebook with listings, but having a real authentic, you know, presence on there where you could build your sphere of influence, you know, build friends and in and, and, and real life relationships. And so those are de definitively three things. And so I would say that a year ago, and obviously, 
obviously you still need them today. But interestingly, you know, and so for the, I guess, Seth, the other 70% or 80%, whatever that number is, should definitely do those three things. But, you know, it's interesting. I had, I'm seeing sort of a shift in consumer behavior. You know, I recently had a meeting with Zillow and they noted to me that 70% of their traffic is occurring on their native applications. And so that stat is not lost on me. And so what I've been observing this year in 2015 is, you know, in the past, a couple of years ago, what people would do, consumers would go and launch their web browser and they would go to Google and they would type in a, a query like homes for sale in San Francisco and they would get their results. And typically they would spend, you know, you know, clicking through the first few links, you know, some of the portals that I had mentioned before, Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, whatever the case may be. And they would search on those websites and they would do research and they would look at properties and they would browse listings. Um, and so that, that was sort of the consumer behavior. But I'm really sort of intrigued and fascinated by today's consumer behavior of just taking out your phone and launching the native app on your on your phone, on your home screen, and then going right to properties in a native application. And so what that sort of does is sort of shifts the whole, let me start to search on the desktop search engine in my web browser. And so I think that consumer behavior that we're just beginning to see is going to truly impact, you know, where real estate professionals spend their money and, yeah. you know, where they advertise. But, you know, just to reiterate, absolutely, I agree with you, you know, in just just in terms of reputation management, you know, consumers are still going to search for you and you have to be found and you have to be found um, on the web. I see the um, the large real estate portals very much how I see Google, Bing and Yahoo for mm-hmm. folks that aren't in real estate, which is you can't necessarily compete with them. You have to work with them because, you know, the consumer is I don't want to say so fickle. We're just human, right? We bounce around to lots of different things. Our interests are fleeting and distracted often because we've got lots of competing interests and you need to be part of the process and part of the journey. And you need to have a presence on, you know, Trulia, Zillow, Realtor, and any other social platform that makes sense. I a hundred percent agree. I am curious about how native will impact search in general, regardless of real estate, um, because there are so many great app experiences. Um, the, the, the challenge that I see is if I look at my phone and I look at, I use an Apple phone. I have some Mm -hmm. friends that use Android, but let's just talk about Apple or iOS for the moment. I'm every month I find something either by reading or on the app store that is just fantastically built, Mm -hmm. but it solves a very niche and unique problem set. So found a really great tool recently that has, I don't want to say that it's replaced, uh, layout, but lots of designers are using it. It's called sketch. It's a $69 tool. The same app would have cost 900 bucks from Adobe and it is brilliant and it's been adopted by the design teams at Uber and Airbnb. I mean, it's, it's crushing it, but I see that as I, I tap into that to do a little information and I, and I fear that we're not necessarily going to, you know, shorten the process. We're just going to get at different places for consumer distraction. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that statement 100%. But isn't it amazing the times we live in where in a, a, such a powerful application on your phone or on your tablet, you know, is $69, for example. Oh, it's, it's um, crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, I know with the App Store, you can certainly put your app or product into millions of people, which is sort of different than the traditional software licensing model. But my gosh, you know, it's unbelievable the power that you can get for 99 cents. It's yeah. um, truly exciting times. So um, before we wrap up, I'd love to know a little bit about where, where you look for inspiration. You know, I look for inspiration. You know, to, to be honest, I typically, you know, um, you know, look outside the real estate industry. You know, I spend a lot of time, you know, um, you know, in, you know, outside the industry, you know, um, you know, I find inspiration in interesting spaces like Maker Faire, for example. And, um, you know, I went to the big uh, 10th anniversary of Maker Faire in San Mateo this summer. And the stuff that people are building with Raspberry Pis and Arduino. And I know that's a little bit more geekier than just, you know, discussing real estate marketing. But, you know, seeing people build their own products and, and, and the inventions that they're coming up with, you know, truly inspire me. You know, I myself now am building Arduino and building Raspberry Pi, um, you know, inventions and, 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 and gadgets, which is really exciting. So I find inspiration there. I find inspiration in, um, you know, um, a lot of thought leaders, you know, around the web, you know, on their blogs and on podcasts, you know, podcasts. Podcasts such as the craft of marketing. And so, you know, I'm sort of a bookworm, you know, and, you know, I always love reading, you know, strategy and business books. So I can find, you know, inspiration in many different spaces. And so that's just a couple of examples. Will you, um, I'm aware of Maker Fairs and Arduino and Raspberry Pi. Will you just give like, you know, a few minutes, explain what this is? Sure, absolutely. And so Raspberry Pi is a um, is a small little microcomputer. It, the board is the size of a credit card. You can connect a monitor, a mouse, and a keyboard and put it in a case. And you can have a fully functional personal computer for $35. And it really captured the imagination a lot of a lot of people because, you know, third world countries who don't have the resources to bring, you know, computer systems into school systems, you know, um, tremendous value there. Um, you can use it as a personal computer, very inexpensive, but it also captured the imagination of builders and inventors who have really taken it to the next level. And then Arduino is actually an open source prototyping board where um, you can actually, you can connect it to the Raspberry Pi and you can build things like weather stations and you can build things like um, digital thermostats for your house. But essentially it's a very inexpensive, you know, roughly $30 electronics board um, that you can learn electronics and you can connect modules and you can build all of these really fun automated projects. Um, and it's a great, it's great for hobbyists, but it's also great for uh, 
um, you know, for business as well. And so, again, you could build your own drop cam with these devices. You could build your own Nest. And so um, it's just a great way to expand um, your knowledge base. It's a great way to um, bring a new skill set. And uh, they're very inexpensive. And, you know, my daughter actually loves it. And so it's great to get my daughter into engineering, into electronics, and uh, which I just feel it's so important. And so, um, yeah, those are those two devices in a nutshell. Those it's the Maker Faire is really an amazing experience. If anyone um, has never heard about it, you should look it up. Um, what it is is tens of thousands of people who have used these democratized tools to build really amazing things. Like it used to be you needed a GM laboratory to build some of this stuff, and now you can order parts on Amazon. Absolutely. For, for nothing. Amazing. It's yeah. amazing. So, Tom, um, where can folks find out more about you? Um, sure. So, um, you know, Twitter is always, you know, an, an accessible way to, to reach me. Uh, uh, my Twitter handle is just at Tflan, T-F-L-A-N. If you're in the real estate industry and you're going to Real Estate Connect next week, uh, I'll be there. And uh, Seth, feel free to edit that out if this goes live after that. But um, yeah, reaching me on Twitter is always a fast and easy way. Awesome. Tom, thanks so much for your time. I always love chatting with you. It gets me very excited uh, about the future. Oh, likewise, Seth. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.